are we are we are the nonprofit collective podcast bringing together voices to explore and inspire the nonprofit world Hey everyone, we're so excited to be speaking with Akila King today, who is the executive director of Room to Grow New York. And we also have Kaylee Collins, who is the co-owner of Open Tent. And our topic today is going to be data. And I'm sure that we are going to be getting into a lot of cool just topics of how to use data to support your nonprofit, how to start using data, and maybe even how to convince your board that data is really important for your organization. So I will pass it off and I'm just going to ask them to introduce themselves and talk a little bit about their organization. So Keila, if I can start with you. Hi, I'm so happy to be here and to talk about data. You have um, really spoken to the inner geek uh, in me. I'm a Akila King, Executive Director of Room to Grow New York. Room to Grow, we work with low-income families who have young children. Um, essentially, we are uh, trying to close the, os- the socioeconomic achievement gap. So by the time these young kids get to pre-K, kindergarten, they're on track. And we do this by providing structured coaching material items and um, specialized resources to parents so that they can create an environment for their child to thrive at home. Hello, everyone. My name is Kaylee. I am the co-owner at Open Tent. We at Open Tent, we are a consulting team of community building tech nerds. So if the impact of your work or your organization's mission is heavily influenced by the strength of your relationships, we partner with you to achieve your missions faster with the right engagement tools and strategies. All right. Well, thank you both so much for being with us today. Uh, Let's start out the conversation with just talking about why is collecting and analyzing data important for nonprofits? Yeah. So uh, the big question, Um, it's really about demonstrating your impact um, as well as understanding your effectiveness. So demonstrating your impact is, are you doing a great job? Are you changing the world in the way that you set out to do it? Um, And understanding your effectiveness is, how did you do that? Uh, and that is usually the gold standard research project that is time intensive, expensive. Um, but I do think it's really important to understand how you're doing things um, so that if you're doing things very well, you can share them out in the field, right, uh, and have uh, an impact in that way. But also, if you're you're finding that your impact is... Um, you know, falling a little bit short, you could dissect the areas of your program and know where to make modifications um, or where to dive in deeper, I should say. I absolutely agree with everything that you just said. And and I think what stands out to me there is just the importance of learning from your data and having the space and, and the leadership at your organization to iterate and to just constantly being to constantly improve towards your North Star, whatever your impact is, you know, you you have two bottom lines as a nonprofit organization. And the the programmatic piece of it in terms of are we actually achieving the change that we want to see in the world is really key. And then fundamentally, in order to keep operating towards that North Star, you got to have funding. And so you're, you're, you know, people who are giving you money are looking for data points and they're making some asks and you got to come through and and, you know be able to speak to and tell your story in a way that is compelling to funders and 
and to your constituents. And I want to combine those two points because they're very valid. Because At Room to Grow, we think about what is the cost of us achieving our impact? Can we achieve this high standard at a lower cost? And I think that's also what is compelling. So that's the cost per client um, model that you often hear nonprofits talking about or funders asking you how much does it cost you to run your program? Yeah, and that's the next question that I'd like to get into is more what are these challenges that nonprofits usually face when they're trying to be more data-driven and really use data uh, to leverage exactly that, their message, um, their impact? Uh, I mean, to be honest, and Room to Grow was there once upon a time, it is the capacity and the cost. It is a big investment to decide that you want to do some rigorous evaluation work, right? Nonprofits are focused on their mission, right? If you're a direct service organization like Room to Grow, you just want to do good work and help your families and your constituents and keep the lights on, right? Which is the fundraising. Um, And everything in between, no matter how important it is, like data, um, sometimes gets put on the back burner. Um, And so I think that it's really a decision at the leadership level that you want to make data collection, measurement, evaluation a priority and really weave it into the culture of your organization, which is something that we talk about at Room to Grow. Leadership there is so important. And there's there's so many times where an organization comes to my team and they say, okay, our leadership is bought in. Like, our executive director went to this conference and they saw a whole presentation about how being data-driven changed their life. Let's go. And then the challenge beneath that is, okay, do you have the, the, the funding behind it? Are you willing to invest? And so I often say to clients, data is kind of like adopting a puppy. Being data-driven is like adopting a puppy because you can get that puppy for free. Like the, A tool that I use often is called Salesforce. It's a CRM that helps nonprofits use their organizations. And I see Akila nodding her head. Yes. Um, you get 10 free licenses as a nonprofit to use that technology. But the cost of maintaining that technology is not often an expectation that leadership has. It's not just the tool, it's also the people. And Akila, to your point about culture, in order to weave culture deep into an organization, you gotta invest in your people. You gotta make sure people are trained on that technology, that you have staff dedicated to making sure that it's thriving in the way you want it to. And to me, one of the biggest challenges is education and not knowing yet that that is an investment we need to make in to be data-driven. Um, so I feel like I want to tell a little bit of a story, uh, my story at Room to Grow. Um, so I didn't start out as executive director at Room to Grow. I applied for a fundraising position, um, but I have a big background in medical research, uh, as well as a background in public health. And so when I applied in my resume were all of my publications and, um, our former New York executive director, who is now our CEO was like, huh, this chick is applying for a fundraising position, but I wonder if she could help us really think about our data um, and our evaluation. And um, this is something that she was thinking about at the time and really kickstart it alongside her. Uh, And so I was brought into Room to Grow. um, And of course, fundraising was my priority, but we worked on a couple of projects um, to really lay down the foundation for us to collect data well. And one of my first projects was thinking about building out our Salesforce database. 
and working alongside our consultants who we've hired and we're paying to build out our sales force. And we decided, and I don't think it was an intentional decision, but there was a point in time where we realized that, you know what, we could actually learn how to manipulate and create data fields in Salesforce ourselves and build our own clinical database. Um, and I just think that speaks to what you just were talking about. And it was an actual, you know, an intentional decision. It kind of just evolved. And I think it was these moments that have allowed room to grow, to invest, or to bring our data collection to a certain level that is almost unheard of in the social services field because it's expensive. So at one point in time, we were able to build out our data system without the costs of paying external help. Um, and it really took um, some on-the-ground work with the team to, to be able to do that. So I thought that that would be interesting to build upon as those listening are like, okay, that sounds really overwhelming, but it can happen naturally if you decide that you want to make a decision to collect that in this way. In this way. So Akila, how exactly are you using all this data, all these changes, all this infrastructure? How do you see it impacting your organization and your beneficiaries today? Um, so at Room to Grow, we, um, we have essentially gone paperless. And we have begun collecting um, all of our data electronically on tablets. And so what we, the first impact is it actually reduces the burden of both our social workers and our families. Um, the social work field has always been very paper heavy, right? And, and, and that reduces their paperwork. Um, but what we found, found that is just like really extraordinary is that our clinicians are capturing real time data that they can incorporate into their sessions and time with their families. So for example, our families arrive, they, um, in the, in the lobby, they fill out a series of externally validated questionnaires that include the patient health questionnaire, the mental health screening. Um, we ask questions about the home environment as well as um, parenting confidence and our efficacy. And as they're completing these forms in the waiting room and press submit, Salesforce automatically calculates the scores and our clinicians can see them before the client actually walks into their office. And it's not like they're saying, oh, I see your score. Let's talk about it. As, as they're having a natural conversation about what's going on in the home and with the family, they're using that data to draw out certain aspects of the conversation, um, or it's really just contextual knowledge for the clinician as they deep dive into the session. Um, so I think that that is the first benefit of it and something that we often forget is that how can we use this data to do our work effectively in the now? Uh, and then, of course, there is our director of evaluation impact sitting in Boston who is looking at the incoming data all day uh, and running analyses, right, for us to tell stories of uh, our impact, uh, our trends, and making correlations between different data sets. Um, and I could speak to more about that later, but that's essentially. And then there's, of course, your donors, but we can speak about that later. <laughs> what I love about what you just said, Akila, is it you just touched on how technology, data, the tool is just a means to an end. It's not the end all be all by any means. It's it's intended to make your work easier so that you can focus on the core of your work, which is the relationships that you're forming. 
and the people at the core of work and why we do this to begin with. So the fact that, you know, if I'm walking in to talk to a doctor or a social worker and they already know my needs and my goals and they're calling me by my name in the right way, like that to me already establishes trust and makes me want to grow this relationship with you and invest more in what your goals are and how we can collaborate to learn together and improve our quality of life. To me, that is fundamentally why I got into this work, which we can get into later. But I, I absolutely love that story, Akila. I just think it, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Why don't we get into it now? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? I do have a follow-up question to circle back to, but would love to hear, Kaylee, where your passion is coming from to getting into this world of data as well. So I'll tell my story. In the sixth grade, um, an organization called Prep for Prep came into my life. I see people nodding their head. It's I never thought I would go to college. I had never known anyone that had gone to college. And Prep for Prep came into my life and gave me a North Star. And (laughs) I don't know how much you know about this program, but essentially what they did is they said to me, you're going to live at Manhattanville College for two summers and you're going to take college courses and you're going to take the SATs as like a 13, 14 year old, however I was at the time. And this was not easy. It was like every week that my friends and I were talking about how much we wanted to quit and how hard this was. But it was that sense of community and us coming together to get through it together that just unlocked so much personal growth for me. And that's where I saw the power of community. And then fast forward about 10 years after that, my husband um, started a powerlifting gym in, in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. And this community, like I can't even express how much I've been able to take risks and grow from being a part of this community in my life. And it's a big reason why I was able to you know, be a part of Open Tent and take that risk. And that it was no longer just a one time incident where I was like, okay, there's power in community. Now it's a pattern. So the reason why I got into this work, yes, I love technology, but this is about how we can unlock personal growth through community building. I love that. So I, I wanted to circle back. Uh, Akila, your story is awesome and inspiring. And it's it's great that you were able to um, get the buy-in that you needed to invest in Salesforce and really uh, get the staff to to use it in the way that makes it um, powerful for your, your organization. Kaylee, maybe you can answer this question. But I know of nonprofits and have been in organizations where they do invest in bringing the platform on but don't necessarily invest in how are we using this smart. Uh, The data will become a little bit uh, clouded. Uh, Maybe the staff doesn't really actually trust the data that's in there, so it's hard for them to continue to use it. How can an organization kind of shift themselves from being at this place where they've allowed it to go stagnant to bringing it back to using it for positive? Yes, and I see you getting really excited about this question. (laughs) I am so excited about this question. Yes. Think about your technology as a staff member. Imagine yourself as a new staff member. You want to make sure that you're properly onboarded. You want to make sure that you have a clear job description and criteria for success. And you want to make sure that people are checking in with you to make sure, how are you doing? And investing in your growth and learning. And I think the more that we look at technology as a teammate that needs our support and our input and and our checking in, 
the more it's able to help us do our work as opposed to us working for it. And I just want to add that while we were building out our database, we invited our clinicians and our social workers to be a part of the process, right? Whether it was the testing or just even codifying the language that that is in Salesforce and how we ask a question um, and making them feel like they were a part of this and it wasn't something that was top down, that together we were going paperless and building this infrastructure um, and that they had this additional buy-in um, and excitement around it. So what advice would you give to nonprofits that are hesitant to move to making that investment into bringing in a large database and starting to, to collect that data to help them make decisions or to show their impact? And what approaches would you maybe give them as advice to start that process? Collecting data is daunting, right? And it's almost like, where do you start? And I think you just start by going back to your mission. What are your long-term outcomes? What is your theory of change? And what are you doing already that you could draw from and draw um, and just build upon? And I think that's also, you know, where we started, Right. So what do we care about? We care about families. We care about the parent. We care about the child. What are some of the data points that we're collecting now? And let's use that as a basis. And then you can think about getting more rigorous. And that's when you turn to the field and your partners and your peers. Um, What are they doing to demonstrate their impact? What are the tools that are known in the field that will help make you look more legit? And these are the externally validated tools. And yes, you're going you're gonna to have to find someone who can help do some research around that, but they're out there and it's a starting point. And it's not that you had to build your own tool. You don't have to build out your database like we have decided because there's a lot of smart people who have done this work uh, that you can adopt and turn it into your own. A lot of times when organizations come to us, there's two things that they say. It's either we have all of this data across spreadsheets in our inboxes and in our brains and we need one central place to track it all. That's totally valid because that's going to help your day-to-day work. The other reason why people come to us is they say, we are at an inflection point right now. We're doing a strategic plan and we want to create our, our KPIs and start trickling down all of our activities from there. Those are related, but they're very different. There's no wrong way to start how to be data-driven. Those are both you know, very viable pathways. To me, I think regardless of what path you go down, you need to start from a point of strength and putting stakes in the ground about your hypotheses for change. And you, and I think a lot of times that's what trips us up is because that's a lot of responsibility. That's a lot of accountability. And often organizations don't have one point person or a group of people that are willing to put that stake in the ground. We work with organizations to say, what are your bets? Like what I bet that this change in our organization will lead to why way that we're going to meet the move the needle. Start there. Just, you know, name those metrics and what changes you want to see. And then from there, you can start actually changing the way you use technology and how you set up your staff. But it starts with putting a stake in the ground in terms of tangible, concrete metrics that you see as building the change that you want to see in the world. 
How has uh, making the move to a more data-driven organization benefited maybe your fundraising? Uh, what are some of the questions that your funders are asking that you are able to actually provide that data for? Uh, and then, Kaylee, uh, for your clients, how are you kind of selling that to them? If we can get to a point of having you be a data-driven organization, these are really some areas that you can showcase your impact and support your fundraising. For Room to Grow, our funders want to make sure that we are setting out to do what we said, right? Um, and walking the walk. And that's really about around our uh, child outcomes and our parenting outcomes and our family outcomes. However, you have funders who are also very invested in your case management, right? Your retention. Um, and for us, I think that making sure that our clinicians are tracking um, attendance and just other aspects of case management are just as important as those really hardcore, those hardcore outcomes. Um, and they're correlated is what we've seen at Room to Grow is that our high retention numbers are no surprise to us because our parents are doing well and they're satisfied, right, with their fit, with their clinician and room to grow. Um, and they're finding that the material items and the coaching that they're getting are really having an, uh, an effect on their child and their development. Uh, and of course, they're going to end up returning and coming back. And it also comes back to this relationship um, aspect of it. And so I think for us, and telling a story of what we do to our funders, it's really tying together all of those pieces to say that we're not only doing excellent work, but our families have a home here and this is in partnership with them. And data can also tell that story. A lot of times when clients come to us, we ask them for their KPIs. And it's, first of all, it's really hard to develop those. And not a lot of organizations actually have them. Or they live in a back closet somewhere that we haven't evaluated them in quite some time. And it's, it's a real challenge. I often talk to nonprofits and say, okay, so what are the metrics that you care about? How do you tell your story from a quantitative and qualitative standpoint? Tell me a recent success story that you had. And the success stories, people get so passionate about talking about them and they are so powerful. And then the second that we get to talking about quantitative metrics is where we start to get a little hesitant. And often I hear output metrics rather than outcomes. So we had X amount of programs last year or interactions with our constituents, which, which is great and speaks to the, the breadth of certain relationships that we have, but not exactly the depth of relationships. And to really get to the point where we are tracking outcomes, we need to better understand our people and what they care about whether they're donors or, or program constituents. And to me, you know, it's if our goal is to tell that story and share those powerful anecdotal success stories, it's even more powerful if we back it up with quantitative data. So we're talking about this in a more broader sense, like leadership has to have buy-in, you have to have, you need to rethink the structure and how people really incorporate data into everything that they do. So that's a much higher level leadership kind of thing. But how can someone who's an associate level or, or, or what have you every day, how can they incorporate more data-driven decision-making in just the everyday tasks and responsibilities that they have? I think that you can start with what you have, right? And a good old Excel or a Google Sheet. 
And I think about when you ask that question, I think about the fundraising side of this, our external relations team and how we make decisions on who to engage with, what donors, who to follow up on. And it's really a story of how much they've given, when they've given, and who else is in their network, uh, and maybe also the frequency of their giving. And all of that's three data points right there. And you can use that to decide next steps around engagement and stewardship and cultivation. And that's exactly what our coordinators and managers are doing on our external relations team. They're compiling some data and we're sitting down together once a week and thinking about a strategy. How can we get this person to lean in more to room to grow? Or what happened there? We don't know who brought them into the organization. Do we have that data point? Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Who is their solicitor? Can we reach out to them for them to ping them or just help them help us brainstorm? And I, I really do think it's about being a little bit scrappy uh, and being creative. Because I, I, I mean, there is going to be some data point somewhere and you just have to dig and try to put together a story and then leverage it for next steps. All of us are here because we care about people and the impact that we want to see in the world. And um, I like to me, this is about why do we get up in the morning? You know, like what goals do you set for yourself to know that you are achieving the impact that you want to see in the world? So it, it makes me think about my gym and how we are a community of strong people that are supporting each other to get stronger in and out of the gym. Right. And to me, when I think about, OK, what gets me up in the morning, what gets me so excited to be a part of that community? It's I need concrete goals. I love I am so motivated by having a concrete goal that we are working towards. So, for example, maybe we want five more athletes that are qualify for nationals next year. Maybe we want to add 100 kilos to us as a community, like every one of us together is going to all of our, our kilos together are going to aggregate to 100 kilos in the next, you know, six months. And, and you know, that's how we're going to track our progress. To me, it's, it's finding the motivation to set your own goals. And yes, as an organization, we need to have one combined vision for success. But, you know, if you're in a cubicle every day, you know, inputting data, it's not exactly, you don't feel really connected to that greater mission. So how can an organization roll down those goals to every department, every person, and find that motivation to not just make data input a part of your job, but as a, a part of your job that helps you do your work better and helps you see that vision for why you want to get up and crush it every morning. I think that's a great point because I think about at the executive level, right, our org-wide goals, right, we share them out to our team. Right, we've done this. And then you almost distill those same areas down to the everyday work so that you have an associate who can see, okay, my work on the day to day affects this org wide goal. And it's not easy to do, especially at the org wide level and you have multiple sites. And I think we're still trying to figure out how to do that well, right? It goes to department goals. We, we are very big on goals at Room to Grow as an individual, but it's time consuming, right? Sit down, write your goals. and But I do think that that thread is what helps 
get people up in the morning at some of these organizations, hopefully at Room to Grow, right? You feel connected and you know, you know what you what you do matters in the grand scheme of things, no, how, no matter how big your organization is. And I think that that's actually really a, an excellent point. And I also want to just acknowledge that you don't have to do this on your own, right? Who is in your network that has experience? Uh, lean on them, whether it's a board member, whether it's a college partner. Room to Grow, we absolutely did that. There were We had think tanks, we had brainstorm sessions to really figure out what is the best evaluation strategy for us, but also what are other nonprofits doing? What's, what is Bain Capital doing? What, you know, like how can we weave all of these best practices into something that works for Room to Grow? Akila, you're making me think about internal sustainability. I love my work as a consultant, but my job is for you, Akila, to not need me in five years. You know, like that's so real. So not everyone feels comfortable with technology. And I think that also has to be acknowledged. And especially in in the nonprofit world, I see that all the time. And in order to be self-sustainable as a nonprofit, you need to invest in having people whose jobs it is to be invested in technology what what I often call knowledge management, having a knowledge management department of people that can help you see how your day-to-day work rolls up to the greater vision and supports you as an individual in being the most effective that you possibly can be in your job. So it's you're not doing it alone and you and having the right external partners is great, but also having this internal support team is really crucial. I love that you just use the word knowledge management because I think that it's a terminology that's uh, the nonprofits are just starting to buy into. This has been something that the corporate world has adopted for quite some time. There are a lot of teams that are putting investments into the databases for the employees and like everything that you could possibly ask or want is all there and it's all consistent and the knowledge all lives there. So I actually also just took a class in this in my master's program in knowledge management. So I'm like, nerded out on it. it was like this is like such a cool concept and like I can see where it would be really beneficial for nonprofits to start adopting a knowledge management team but I also think that to I believe Akila you made this point in the beginning of this conversation that you know nonprofits really are our focus is mission and our programs and really wanting to make sure that we are seeing those successes so to uh, get the funding or the investment from those outside for us to build a knowledge management team also just has to start at how everyone is viewing nonprofits and the support that these organizations need to make our work better and to ensure that we are are reaching our mission to our greatest capacity and with the most efficient processes as well. So, so happy that you, you brought that up. Uh, just one more question of, so organizations that are not yet there, uh, they're wanting to become more uh, data-driven, what are some internal markers that they can look to that say, like, yes, we are ready to move forward with making this investment in data, or internal markers that they can look to of our leaders are open to hearing about this, and we can get them vested into making this change in our organization? I mean, to be honest, I, I my first thought is your funders and your stakeholders, right? Because... There's something to be said that 
hey guys, we can't get this money if we don't get our stuff together. And whether that's a marker or just pressure, um, I think it's, it is a real Kickstarter. Uh, and maybe it's not just your funders um, at the t- institutional level. There might be some big individual major gift donors that you are trying to engage with, but you know that they're not going to they're not going to take the meeting unless you have a deck that isn't showing their impact. And I I do think that that's something not to ignore. And maybe talk to them, invite them to be a part of this conversation. Say we haven't been collecting data at this level we would like to what are the outcomes and metrics that would impress you and we have funders that we've worked with for a very long time who every time we sit down with them they give us new ideas and maybe it's just because they're more in the field and know what's trending but we take we take feedback all the time from our current funders and they were there we were having conversations with them when we were also ramping up so i would maybe you know think about talking to them trying to think back to my days of working at Echoing Green and, and their knowledge management department specifically. And I remember seeing Cheryl Dorsey, who's their executive director up there. And we're at our all fellows conference in South Africa. And she was like owning these data points that she was talking about. Like, this is the impact that we've achieved. We have X amount of fellows and this is, this is the, how they've moved the needle. And I remember thinking, like all these reports were in my brain because I've been owning them and, and thinking like, okay, I hope this data was, that data point was right. And that we filtered on this right kind of criteria and, you know, that we, we cleaned it up. And to me, a marker of, okay, we need to be data driven is, can we trust our data? Can we confidently pull that report or like look at our dashboard and say, we firmly stand by this and feel like it is representative of our work. And if the answer is no, if I'm a leader, I want to hear that. I really want to hear that because I want to have confidence in that board meeting or that fundraising meeting about, you know, about our impact and not have to backtrack six months after and say, actually, we, we added, we updated the filter and it looks a little different now. You know, like that's, you, you want that trust. You want to be that reliable source of, of truth. And uh, to me, you know, that's, that's an incentive for everyone to want to be data-driven in my mind. Very good points. You don't want to be up in front of a crowd and <laughs> giving, giving out the, the, the wrong wrong data inputs and wrong points. Uh, okay, so I think that we're going to wrap uh, the conversation up and we'll pass it both back to both of you if you have any final thoughts or words of advice for our listeners. I think my last thoughts are also learnings and it's just it's easy to get lost and caught up in data right and as you're building out your strategy just make sure you take a moment to pull up right are you collecting why are you collecting this data point right is it because you can (laughs) is it because others are or others want you to does it really help tell your story Does it really help your families or make a difference? And we've gone through that at Room to Grow. um, And especially, and I just spoke about talking to your funders and asking them what they look for, you know, take it with a grain of salt. If it doesn't feel right, if it feels outside the scope of your organization or your work, it's okay, right? Or, you know, or peel back that layer and, okay, why do they want this data point? Does it mean something different for us? Um, and go back to them and have a conversation. Um, 
it's uh, you know just to bring it back to the mission we do really want to focus on the on the ground work uh and the point of data is not just for funding um but to move the needle forward uh, I also want to admit that at this point in time for Room to Grow and where we are with our strategic plan and our growth, some of the best data that we're getting at this moment in time are from our parents and are the qualitative data points that we've kind of taken a break from, right? So the focus groups are parent advisory council, and it's just the community buy-in is also really important, right? So it's like shifting gears to a different type of data. But I think if I step back and think about, okay, whose voice needs to be heard now? Or as I'm piecing together numbers, who can help me actually make a decision around this? I find myself going back to some qualitative data and conversations that I'm having with Room to Grow parents. And so it's a marriage of the two. Um, and I think I spoke to that in, in like the clinical office, but also from a, a broader impact standpoint, I think that that is also something that should not be lost or forgotten. So that's my my closing note and um, was reminding myself that, you know, you go through iterations. It's it's really also about your identity and your, and your culture as well. Brenda, something that you said before about we as nonprofit professionals, we are not alone in this work. We are a part of a greater community of partners that are here to help us in our missions. So that's funders and, you know, local communities, uh, organizations and, you know, corporations. There's so many ways that you can play a part in helping socially driven work in mission in, in mission-oriented work. It, it could be that you want to work at a nonprofit. It could be that you want to work at a philanthropy. It could be that you want to start your own company that helps nonprofits do their work. Wherever your strength and your passion lies, find a way to let that fly and to help the nonprofit community because we live in an era now where technology is here forever it is here to stay and we can leverage it in all sorts of innovative ways to make that change that we want to see in the world so just own your story own your strength and help that help that mission um, however you possibly can thank you both this was a really awesome conversation i'm so happy to have this conversation with two very smart and bold women who are uh, moving your organizations forward with data. And I think uh, as a lot of our conversations have been, we are just scratching the surface. And I know that there's a lot more conversation that we can do around data. And to our listeners, I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. Please uh, remember to follow us on Twitter or at Facebook. We are the NP Collective Pod. And please give us your feedback or other topics that you would like us to bring together voices on. 